everyone. Happy Christmas Eve. And, uh, I'd like to welcome you to Grace Reformed Baptist Church, where we really are a family. We're such a family here that Paul came up when the senior pastor and the executive pastor were talking and said, please don't stand there if you talk because the light shines on your faces and we can see you. Before we begin, some good news. I just heard from Jeremy that his mom does not need surgery. So that, that's good. I don't know anything more than that. And yeah, just praise God for that. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, we have a, a special announcement that uh, because Pastor gave out all these uh, Christmas gifts and said words of appreciation. We felt we, we kind of had to do it back. Um, so, Pastor Layton and Mrs. Layton, wherever you are, we really appreciate you and we're glad that you are our shepherd. And we have a small token, uh, a card for you, and a, a check for Catherine. It's a really a pleasure to, to serve here and to serve with you. There's Catherine. Oh, she's getting the check and I'm getting the card for real? Okay. That's okay. I like cards, as far as I know. I like cards. We'll actually, we'll look at this card while we're even here, and it's lovely. I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. We signed it. Yes. And I hope Linda signed the check. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all. It's really a pleasure to serve and to be a part of this community and worship Christ together with you. And what a blessed evening here, right before Christmas Day, for us to once again gather together and celebrate and uh, we'll begin with uh, an instrumental, I believe, and be able to then think about Christ and put your thoughts there. In a bit, we'll have uh, communion. When we do serve that, it's open to all. You don't need to be a member of the church, but you need to be obedient to Christ. And so if you are, you can come and participate as we remember Christ this day.
Let's all stand and turn to 188 in our hymnals. 188, it came upon the midnight clear. Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you, John 14, 27.
for our scripture reading. It's found in Luke chapter 1, page 856 on, in your hymn, yeah, in your hymn, in your pew Bible. Um, Luke, chap, chap, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 37, Mary's song of praise. So follow along. I'm just always amazed when I read this. This young teenage girl praising her Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Let's pray. Father, our souls magnify you, for you are holy, 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 above all, outside, yet you condescended to look down upon us and save our souls. You sent your Son, God, very God, 100% God, and he came down to inhabit human flesh, 100% man. He lived among us, he walked this earth, and he took our sins upon him on the cross, all because you loved us and for your glory. Help us to praise you, to remember, to share the good news with our friends and family tomorrow and throughout this week. For you are wonderful, and may our hearts magnify you tonight, tomorrow, and the rest of the year. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Mary's song. And what a beautiful rendition it is. Thank you, ladies. They were going to sing it this morning, and I asked them to sing it tonight, but I actually wanted to sing it this morning and tonight. But thanks for indulging us with that. Mary is an essential part of the the Christmas story. Unfortunately, there are some who would venerate her. Uh, That means to to worship her, and that's wrong. And you can kind of tell from this song that Mary sang. She's a great example of a humble servant, and she shouldn't be ignored either. She's one of those really heroes of faith. Paul talked about not many noble, not many mighty. In fact, God typically chooses the very weak and the most humble among us so that his strength could be magnified and demonstrated in it. And Mary indeed does that. She's an example of that. She's a, a sinner who Christ saved. She's not a super saint. She was just a little girl, very young, younger than girls get married today in that culture. Our text says she was betrothed to Joseph, and and before they came together. You see, under that culture, there was a time in which the young man would officially and legally marry a young girl, But they wouldn't come together right away. Instead, he would go away. He would prepare a place for her at his father's house, typically, a room. And then, after a period of time, once he had enough provision, he would go and get his bride. Maybe you've heard Jesus use that very analogy when he said, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. You see, in my Father's house are are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I would not have told you that I'm going to go away and I'm coming back to get you. I'm going to prepare a place for you and come again and take you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. What a beautiful picture indeed it is. The marriage relationship portrays our union with Christ and husbands and wives when they get together. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says that wives should submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. And husbands should love their wives as unto Christ. It's a mystery, he would say, it's profound, but he's talking about Christ and the church ultimately. It's what it pictures. Well, let me give you the background to Mary's song briefly, and then I'll walk through it the best I can. If you examine the text, Gabriel comes, an angelic messenger has to come to to, to Mary, this young virgin, and he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, the text says, at this saying. She, she tried to figure out, what, what does this mean for God to send an angel to me and say that I'm favored? The angel says, don't be afraid. 
It's naturally, if you had that experience, that would need to be said. He said, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That is, God has bestowed his favor upon you. That you would conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. That means Savior. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High. This is God. God incarnate. This fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14. God with us. This virgin who would bear a child. Mary asks this question. She's bewildered. And he adds to it. And he says, and the Lord God will give him, that is her son, the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is not any son. This is the son of the Most High, fulfilling also the Davidic, Davidic covenant that there would be a promise that a son would come and reign forever and ever. Mary's response, a natural one, verse 34, well, how can this be? I'm a virgin. They haven't come together, legally married, but not together. It would take a miracle. A miracle is something outside what we would naturally expect. And God, the creator of all, does that from time to time, and he explains it. That's the angel explains it to her and says, it is God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy Son of God. A unique birth. And just to help her out, and this is gracious of God to do this, an angelic messenger would be enough, but she has another example of a miracle child. Her relative, Elizabeth, in verse 36. Elizabeth, in her old age, that is beyond the ability to bear children, in her old age, she has also conceived a son. We know and we'll learn this is going to be John the Baptist. This is... This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For, here it is, nothing is impossible with God. You get any message, that's what you need to get. It is impossible with man, both of these, but with God, there is nothing that is impossible. Mary's response, beautiful. She says, wait for it, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Servant here is slave. Lord is master. She is recognizing who God is. And she says in faith then, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left her there. This would have been very difficult for Mary at that time, as you can imagine. If you want to get some... Dramatic portrayal, really one of my favorite movies. I don't have very many, <laughs> don't watch many. Most of them aren't worth watching, but this one's somewhat worth watching. That would be the Nativity Story, if you've ever seen it. It kind of gives you the idea culturally what this meant for this young woman to say that. You see, this acceptance of God's call in her life really meant the death penalty for her. I mean, who's going to believe that this would be a miracle? 
It would have to come by faith. And so here she is an example of someone who believes God, lives by faith, and has the courage and the conviction to walk by faith and to live by faith and take on whatever trouble would come and trust God in all of it, which you know the rest of the story, God does protect her. Well, immediately upon this, she, she does, in obedience, go to see her relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth is there with this miracle baby of her own. This baby leaps in its womb, if, if you will, and she responds, that is, Elizabeth, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That is what we can learn from her ultimately, is this is someone of great faith, belief. It wasn't easy, but she demonstrates great faith and great belief. Now, let me walk through the song just briefly as you've heard it read and as you've heard it beautifully sung. Mary's song goes this way. I magnify the Lord, that is, I exalt him, and my spirit rejoices in God. And what does she say? Savior. Mary needed a Savior. She looked to God to indeed be that Savior and confesses this in her very song. She recognizes her state. Yes, she would have a, uh, a state of, uh, the, in which we would even talk to about her in this day. But she recognizes ultimately in her state she is of humble estate and a servant, as she says. But behold, from now on, verse 48, all generations will call me blessed. What a blessing it is to have the favor of God granted to her. You know what the greatest favor is? It's demonstrated in her faith to believe. All of us may have different callings and things that we're called to do. Some of us and most will never really be known from generation to generation, but God has called each of us in our unique place to believe and to trust, and by doing so, live in that way to demonstrate a great example. God miraculously gives life. She believes. She is blessed. Those that are said to be blessed are those that have received God's gracious favor upon them. She will go on in verse 49 to say that it is indeed God who does this. He is mighty. That is, he is powerful. As we've already mentioned, nothing is impossible for God. Holy is his name. When we think of God in his holiness, it is the chief characteristic of God. He indeed is love, he is kind, he is patient, he's merciful, but all of that is characterized by holiness. Holiness just means he is a cut above all the rest. Whatever the maximum that you might think of in any particular category, there's no comparison to God. It's an absolute perfection. She says that's his name, that is his character and all of his attributes. It's demonstrated in verse 50, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation, and that is even today. That is to reverence this holy God. It is a message to which we would all hear at this Christmas time. 
recognizing, as it says in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts and their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And God is powerful and God is victorious. If you shall go on to sing, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. That is, the rich here compared to those that are satisfied with their own self and all that they acquire, their riches will vanish. It is like sand going through the fingers. For those who come with an empty hand, they come and are filled by God. And she recognizes that. Finally, she finishes this out with the, another covenant that is mentioned. A covenant is a promise. A promise that God had made from the very beginning that he is going to help, verse 54, his servant Israel in remembrance of mercy. The reason all this occurs is because God had promised from the very beginning. When he called Israel as a nation through Abraham, he said, in you, all nations would be blessed. They didn't know exactly how that would work out. But we know, we know now, as God has blessed all nations with this one, the Son of the Most High. He would come, he says, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. It is in Abraham, through his seed, Christ the Lord, that indeed we are blessed. Paul would write it this way in, to the church at Galatia. For as many of you were baptized into Christ to put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, there's no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. This is the promise that is fulfilled. Oh, yes, will there still be Jew and Gentile? Will there still be male and female? Sure. Those in, in their setting, slave and free, yes. However, what would unite them is one thing, and that is Christ, and receiving those promises that God promised many years ago that is now fulfilled. Paul would tell the church at Corinth that all the promises of God, all of them, find their yes in Jesus Christ. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen for his glory. It is Christ now, this one that we celebrate. We remember the example of faith of this one, Mary, who would bear this child by faith, trusting in God to fulfill his promises. And what would Christ have to do to fulfill all of the promises, he would have to save us from our sin. And this is why we gather around this communion table. God had demonstrated his deliverance of his people in Egypt through a Passover feast. The last Passover that Christ shared with his disciples, they sat around the table and he took two elements, bread and wine. And in them, he changed the meaning before, the meaning was primarily concerning God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. From this point forward, he would say, this is my body and this is my blood. 
all of that pointed to the reality of Christ's salvation that is provided for us. As he's taking this at the table with them, he says, this is the blood of my covenant, that is, my promise, that is poured out for many, the forgiveness of sin. He calls us as his disciples then to gather together and to remember and to do this in remembrance of him. I'm going to give you a moment to prepare your heart to think on Christ, to confess your sin. Know that he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We're going to then serve these elements. And I'll go ahead and bless them now. And I'm going to do something a little different. I'll have the elders come forward. I think what we'll do is go ahead and pass both. I'm, I'm tr tricking you up here, I know. Let's pass both elements. Jerry, the bread, and Andy, the cup. And we'll pass them out. You guys that want to receive communion, let us know. They'll serve you. Go ahead and prepare the table. And I'll bless them in a second. You go ahead and receive them. Hold both elements, and then we'll eat them together. Does that make sense? Okay, is that clear as mud? So, all right. Let me go ahead and pray for these elements. And I'm going to give you a moment privately to pray, and then I'll pray for us corporately. You go to in prayer and prepare your heart to worship Christ and receive this in remembrance of him. Take a moment now. Father, we can't thank you enough for sending your son and even giving us this ordinance to remember the sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of our sin. We're thankful that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pray that you would bless these elements. May they mean something to each of us who receive them significantly tonight to recall this glorious truth of the perfection that's found in Christ and Christ alone for the atonement for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And may we worship and magnify your name. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you for waiting. Two elements that we have, the bread and the cup. The bread we recognize is Christ's life. He is the bread of life. And I've often said this, and this is, um, I think what we should think about this Christmas morn, that this child that Mary had is the Holy One of God. This is God taking on human flesh. She was humbled in the fact of giving this honor to carry our Lord. But God humbled himself in just taking on human flesh to veil the glory of who he is. He, he lived as a little baby and through all of life to adulthood. In every stage, he lived in perfection, something we have never done. Christ merited the righteousness that stand, to stand before God, a holy God, because Christ is holy. There's no sin in him at all. And the joy of Christmas is that God has given us Christ, that we can then stand in God's holy presence robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And without that righteous robe, you will not stand before God. And so we rejoice in doing this in remembrance of Christ for granting us the righteousness that is required to stand before God. Receive this in remembrance of Christ. second element we receive is the cup. It represents the blood of Christ, hence the red color. Because although you might be wearing the righteousness of Christ's righteous life, there may be accusations from many of, oh yeah, but what about that thing that you did, that you thought, Maybe that thing that you didn't do. We have an accuser of the brethren. It's Satan. And he has a lot to bring up on us. Christ took every single one of those accusations, which are true, on his own body. And he bore them on the tree. The penalty of sin is, is death, and Christ died for everyone. So now, if there is a record of your unrighteousness, it has been covered completely by the blood. And when God looks at the transgressions in which would rightly condemn us, he will see the blood and pass over. Receive this in remembrance of Christ. One thing I like about our Christmas communion candlelight time is the fact that we can then sing together and then leave from here. You see, Christ 
with his apostles, they took communion and then they sang and then they went out. And we'll be able to do the same and sing some Christmas carols of joy to Christ. So go ahead and get your song sheet. If you don't have one, there's one in the back. We'll begin with Silent Night, then Birthday of the King, and then flip over to the next page, Hark the Herald Angels, and we'll finish with Joy to the World. Now we're going to do this in a certain way that I think will be meaningful for us. We're going to kill the lights here in just a minute. And children, if you, you wish to participate, that's fine. Andy's really good at cleaning wax off the carpet and pews. Um, just parents, help your kids the best you can to be careful. I really actually more concerned about them burning themselves. So kids, let's hold up the paper a little high and be careful that you keep the candle as straight as you can vertically this way so it doesn't drip over on yourself. Okay, that's what we're concerned about. Now, how are we going to do this is this. We're going to begin by singing Silent Night. But you're not able to sing until your candle is lit. And I have a secret since I can't sing that well. <coughs> I'm going to light the first candle of somebody that's going to assist me in singing. And from that point, she <laughs> will light another candle and she'll get some help as she sings. I've already pre-warned her anyway. Um, and what we want you to do is, as your candle is lit, come on up. And by candlelight, you believe me or not, you can do this. Sing and fill out the aisles and come forward and let's kind of face one another in a somewhat of a semicircle and sing together. Our goal here is to worship Christ. Do you want to worship him? He would hear your praise. Let's sing together Christ the Lord and begin with a very silent night. Amanda, may you please come and help me? I need all the help I can get.
you. You can extinguish your candles and Andy will pick those up. He's got a can there in the back. And let me pray for us before we go. Go ahead and extinguish your candles so they don't have to be lit while I pray. Let me pray for you a Christmas blessing. Father, we're so thankful of your goodness and your mercy to us in granting us Christ our Lord. I do pray, O oh Lord, that you would give each one a blessed Christmas we're thankful for the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. May we enjoy every good gift from your hand and the blessings that we have in this day. May your name be magnified and glorified. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you and Merry Christmas and good night.